Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and more importantly, Ole Miss every day, because that's kind of our mantra as well. I am here with a very special guest. Walker Jones of the Grove Collective is nice enough to spend a little bit of moments with us while he's down at the Manning Passing Academy. How are you doing, Walker? I'm doing good. This is a good break to get out of the uh, South Louisiana heat down in Thibodeau, which is oppressive to say the least, but... uh, it's good to be down there. We got my oldest son down here as a camper. I've been coming to this for years, so uh, it's a it's a great event, you know, with some good rebels and Archie and Eli, and uh, it's it's we're doing good and just enjoying being here. It's like the twenty seventh year or something like that of the Manning Passing Academy. It is twenty seven years, and I remember when it started. Uh, I was just just still playing and finishing up, and then came down as a counselor. And worked the camp for a number of years, and you know um, now it's neat having a, a camper for the for a change, and and just watching the evolution of this, and you know Archie's such a class guy, the, the the pride he takes in the Manning name and giving back to the game, and it's just it's just a super event, minus the uh, the heat wave that we're going through down here in Thibodeau, but uh, they do a great job, fourteen hundred campers. Um, and then they've got 35 of the top college quarterbacks in the country here uh, as counselors. So it's a really dynamic setup. Yeah, it, 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 you know, as somebody that's followed Ole Miss football over the years, it's 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 a pretty cool thing that they do. And and if something doesn't come up, Ole Miss quarterbacks generally get to take part in it every year. And that's right. That's that right. that's that's cool as well. Anyway, I'm gonna blindside you a little bit. Well, not necessarily blindside you. I think it was 92 or 93. It was the game that Cassius Ware just simply destroyed Eric Zire. It was that game. And I took away football prospect tickets, and I wasn't a prospect, but, you know, if you're a high school player and they'd give you tickets, you'd go up there. And it happened to be a game that Peyton Manning was either visiting or something like that in Oxford, and I believe you were there as well. And I just remember all the people, like just a mass of people following Peyton around that day. What was that like? Yeah, that was interesting. I remember that game very well. It was a um, night game uh, involved in MMA Stadium, and uh, that defense was just electric. And it was so much uh, fun to sit there. And I, those were, you know, I was lucky enough. My father played at Ole Miss, you know, with Archie and growing up an Ole Miss fan, growing up in the Grove. But you know, I remember certain games more than others. And that was one of the ones where I remember sitting there going, like, this is it'd be a dream come true to be able to play in this stadium, you know, for this university. And, and Peyton, you know, uh, Cooper was, uh, was coming uh, to Ole Miss as a freshman, uh, his older brother. And, and I firmly believe to this day that if Cooper had not been injured, uh, Peyton would have been, you know, would have been at Ole Miss, um, you know, the love to be able to play with his brother, like he did in Newman in high school. Um, but, you know, that didn't happen. And obviously Peyton made a great choice going to Tennessee and served him well. And, you know, uh, but it was interesting going through that whole recruiting process with him and the pressure that was on him being, you know, the quarterback um, of, you know, the favorite son in Archie Manning. So it was it was interesting, but I also felt for Peyton, too, because there was so much of a burden uh, on him and what he was going to do. But, it, you know, just like any Manning, he handled it with class and, you know, we all moved on. Yeah, exactly. OK, we'll talk about the Grove Collective now, now that my personal 
um, curiosity has been met. So whenever the whole situation, whatever happened in the fall, we're not going to relitigate it, but the Ole Miss fan base really stepped up with the Grove Collective in the fall to the point where you were seeing numbers put out by the collective, like $5 million, $6 million, all the way up. I think um, the latest one was a newspaper article at $10 million. Do we have an update on that status um, now that it's kind of calmed down a little bit? Yeah, you know, look, it's we are. You said it, Stephen. Our fans answered the call, and you know, I give so much credit to the trust uh, and the commitment that they had in an area that really was undefined and still is to to a large degree. And um, you know, it was um, a leap of faith, and it took me a little while to kind of get my bearings around it and to educate myself when I first got the calls from you know Keith and Coach Kiffin and others and. You know, I um, I needed to learn about it, and I needed to feel comfortable being able to go ask people for their hard-earned income, uh, knowing that most of them were already giving, you know, heartily to the school for tickets and capital campaigns and those things. So, you know, our fans really believed in us. They believed in the mission. You know, I, I think we were smart by trying to put together a real plan and vision for the collective uh, and run it like a real business. And you know, that was uh, really evident by the people's joining and uh, and signing up for it. And, you know, we had a goal within 12 months to get to $10 million. And in less than uh, 12 months, excuse me, in a year goal, um, in roughly nine to 10 months time, we blew past the $10 million mark. And so, you know, really proud that we were able to get that ambitious goal. Uh, and again, I didn't really know if 10 million was the right number. I didn't know if 10 million would be enough too much perfect i just it sounded like a good number to me i had a little bit of intel from some of the other schools of where they were and um i think Ole Miss fans love a challenge and just like the jello shot challenge out in omaha last year it doesn't matter how small it may be or insignificant to them they love a challenge and so we wanted to throw that out there and within you know 10 months time less than a year we were able to blow through that 10 million dollar mark yeah, and um, you should know, by the way, the, the locked-on hosts around the SEC, They all, obviously most people have a relationship with their collective, or at least they talk back and forth. And they've, I've heard from three separate hosts putting you up and the Grove Collective up as an example that other schools in the conference are trying to hit. And I think that's pretty cool. I always talk about like the Grove Collective, you only hear about them, it seems like when they're leading on an issue, like when you went up to Washington. And honestly, I, I may be speaking out of turn and, and for other Rebel fans, but you're doing a heck of a job, man. Uh, well, look, I appreciate it, Stephen. But again, look, it's, I love our school. You know, mm -hmm. our school gave me so much personally, a chance to play college football, a dream to come true for me. Met my wife there. Um, and you know, it's just, it's given me, gave me a career in sports, which is what I wanted to do at Under Armour and then at CAA and, and now in the individual businesses I'm involved in. So it's given me so much. And if this is a way that I can give back and, and do some good, I'm all for it. And, you know, really, um, when you, when you think about, you know, the challenge, you know, my whole thing was, look, we always, when we're our best, we get everybody on the same page and we get everybody behind the same mission and we make one dollar spend like three we punch way above our weight and we are a small but a very mighty fan base and you know that was really my goal was to try to harness all that energy and us to really think about the little things 
and think about, you know, um, how we can outmaneuver other collectives and other universities. And, and part of that was being really progressive and creative in partnerships, in fundraising with our athletes, you know, kind of my brain of being at Under Armour all those years and being an agent of how we, you know, when I was at Under Armour, we were having to fight Nike and Adidas all the time, you know, much more bigger brands than we were. And we were the challenger brand. And that's kind of like how Ole Miss is in the SEC. And so I really wanted to take that approach of being a challenger brand and try to solve problems for our athletes. And if we could do that, people would notice. And I've said this a lot, you know, my job was not to always write the biggest check and not to always pay these athletes the most amount of money. My job was to be competitive enough to where the money wasn't the overriding factor. And then let these athletes go back and think about all the other reasons why they should choose a school, academics, uh, style of play, coaching staff, city of Oxford, uh, the brand of Ole Miss, you know, all those other things, you know, that, that are factors, traditional factors um, to retaining and recruiting kids. And that's what I wanted them to focus on. So I wanted to close that gap um, and make the money competitive enough that they could focus in those other areas. And that's what we've been able to do. And, you know, um, one of the things we did was we were the first collective to sign a deal with a major airline partner um, through the wheels up connection to Delta Airlines the one thing I kept hearing from our athletes and our parents where it's really hard to get to Oxford and we spend a lot of our money on travel and in sports like basketball and baseball, when you're coming down for multiple weekends a year, even football with eight home games, travel is really expensive. And so we were able to do it to, to strike that deal, the first collective in the country to do it. And now our athletes are able to utilize that travel credit through Delta to be able to have their family members come and enjoy these memories these lifelong memories of them playing uh, and that's solving a problem for our athlete. You know, Maya Taylor, our point guard in for the women's basketball team, she would have never been able to fly her whole family to Seattle to watch her play in the sweet 16 uh, in the basketball tournament without her NIL uh, and in use of that, those travel credits. And she's now created a lifelong memory. So those were really the things, Stephen, just to really try to be a leader, a fault leader, be creative. And again, we can't be lazy. Our margin for error is really small. So we, everything has to matter. Every donor matters. Every cent matters. Making $1 spend like three. And that's kind of what we've tried to do since day one. Well, you also do things for the fans. I think you had a cookout not too long ago that Grove Collective members could go to. What do you have planned as football season approaches? Yeah, that's look, and that's really a challenge. You know, unlike our athletic foundation, I can't give tickets or parking. In some cases, can't give really any tax write-off. So we have to be very creative and thinking of things to bring our athletes and our fans closer together. Experiences behind the scenes, access to these bigger than life figures that, you know, when I was a kid, I looked at, you know, looking at Ken Alston and, you know, Willie Green and, uh, you know, Tony Bennett and all these guys that were great players at Ole Miss that I oh, wanted to be like. Up. Yeah, well, I mean, I just remember sitting there <laughs> in the stands, Todd Sandroni, you know, all these guys that I watched playing when I was little and wanted to be like, and, you know, if we can bring our athletes closer to our fans and create that bridge. Um, and that's a really cool, those are cool experiences. So we've done, we did a crawfish bowl, you know, we've done some other donor events. We're going to do a big back to school kind of football kickoff event for all our members at the end of August around one of the last scrimmages. So they'll get a sneak peek to see what the team looks like. Uh, those are things that we're doing. We're also doing a, a EA sports gaming platform which is kind of a digital conversation and a digital touch point with our fans where uh, our athletes will run 
EA Sports tournaments that our fans can sign into and they compete with each other. They can compete with the athlete. They can have that online conversation and communication and interaction, which is a cool thing. Most of our kids are all playing games. Most of our athletes are playing games. So, you know, we did that as well to try to, you know, create that bridge. So we're going to continue to do those things and, and really focus on, on putting a face and a personality behind these athletes. Because the one thing NIL has changed, Stephen, is sometimes players aren't here for three, four, five years. Sometimes they're only here for a year or two. So we want our fans to be able to have a quick connection with who those players are if their life cycle is going to be a little shorter. Um, and we're going to do that in the Grove on all the Saturdays. We're going to have a tailgate for the Grove Collective that all our Grove Collective ambassador parents can come to. Other um, athletes who aren't playing football can come to. And we invite all our fans to come by, meet those athletes, meet their families, uh, and really try to create that, that connection. Are, are you planning on setting up that tent on the Walk of Champions walkthrough? Yeah, we'll be right there, you know, when you get through uh, getting ready to go into the stadium right there in that plaza area in the north end zone, we'll be right there so parents can see their kids, you know, walk through the Walk of Champions. Fans can stop by on their way to and from the game. And, and again, you know, uh, that's one thing that a lot of the parents I talk to uh, of our new players, like, oh, you know, how do I do the Grove and how do I tailgate? And I hear all these wonderful things about Ole Miss and like, look, we'll take care of that for you. Uh, we'll help make that seamless for you, let you integrate with our fan base, with the other parents, uh, because, you know, that's the nature. You know, when I played, we were here four and five years, and we developed those those connections over the years. It's a little bit of a different dynamic now, so I think that's where the collective can fill that void. You know, an interesting thought for me, and I don't know if you can actually do something like this, but I was thinking, like, for collective members, you could do, like, a map of the stars for where Ole Miss legends tailgate to where they might be able to do do something like that. that that'd be a cool little thing. Um, but that's just a thought that's I had. A good idea. That's yeah. a good idea. Um, also, um, Ole Miss, you mentioned, is a, you wants to be a small but mighty collective and do the things like that. How do you balance football with men's basketball and women's basketball and baseball? How, how is that separated? It's a challenge. You know, look, it's um, when I took this on, I felt like, you know, oh, it'll be a nice little side project, pet project, and I'm going to work really hard at it, but I'll have, you know, bandwidth to do other things. And what I figured out real fast is it's nonstop. And if you want to do it right, that's really the only way to do it. And so I've certainly come to the realization it's taken a lot more of my time than I realized, but that's okay. Um, and I've kind of been able to adapt my other responsibilities, um, you know, to, to offset that. So, uh, but again, I just think that's where we have to separate ourselves. We don't have the resources and infrastructure that an A&M or Tennessee or Alabama or Georgia have, but that's okay. We can focus on the other little things that they maybe don't have to, um, uh, to give ourselves an advantage. And so we spent a ton of time on that, you know, focusing on, um, you know, trying to, to make all those things matter um, and I think one of the one of the, the big things that when we relaunched this thing was we're going to be a collective for every athlete on campus. We're going to provide an opportunity for every man and woman that chooses to come to Ole Miss and wants to partake in NIL. And today, we've you know, our goal was to get to 100 athletes within 12 months. We're at 165 athletes in 10 months. Uh, we have one athlete from every team on campus represented, uh, which was another goal of ours. And I think there's twofold for that, Stephen. You know, that was really big for myself and Keith. You know, Keith and I talked about that on day one is 
you know, we really want to sponsor and support all of our athletes. We have so many great stories to tell for our revenue, non-revenue sports, our men, our women. Um, and I think that helps in fundraising. I think it helps us to raise money in fundraising. It also helps us with brands that want to advertise with our athletes. They want a diverse athlete population. Uh, they want to tell multiple stories. Um, and they have different brands that need different needs. Some need uh, female influencers, some need male influencers. Um, and so having a diverse athlete population makes our collective more valuable to brands and for sponsorship. And then finally, I just think that's where legislation is going, is that these single focus collectives that are only doing football or only doing basketball are going to get phased out. I think they're going, there's going to be an enormous pressure for collectives going forward to support all the sports um, because everybody keeps talking about Title IX and those things, and that's why we want to get out ahead of it um, and be a collective for all 400-plus athletes we have. Well, speaking of that, you, you you recently sat in front of Congress, if I'm not mistaken. What was that like? <laughs> uh, it was interesting. Um, you know, I uh, congressmen ha and, and politicians really uh, have an unbelievable ability to, talk, to, to do a lot of talking and not really say a lot, uh, you know, and, and, and there was a little bit of that, but I do think for the most part, most of the, um, you know, congressional, the delegation that is involved in NIL and wants to help, they're doing it in the right manner. They care about it. Um, I just think federal intervention and preemptions a ways off. I think that it's, that was one of the things leaving, leaving DC is that that's probably going to be a while, a ways away. And we're probably being a little naive if we think the federal government's going to fix all this. Uh, and I really think it falls back on the power five commissioners, the conferences and the NCA to, to some degree. Um, but I was hopeful in the sense that we had the right people in the room. We had coaches, we had ADs, we had athletes, we had conference commissioners and we had collectives. So we had everybody in the room that's a stakeholder. And my point previously was they had these these conversations and the collectives weren't representative. And I said, look, collectives are at the intersection of all this. We have to deal with the universities. We have to deal with the players. We have to deal with the donors. We have to deal with the brands. We have to deal with the NCAA. So we're at the ground level of all this and we can provide real tangible information so the really smart people can make the best decisions. And that's my goal. It's not my goal to say y'all should do this or shouldn't do this. My job, I, I feel at least, is to provide real information and not anecdotal information and get it to the real smart stakeholders, the conference commissioners, the NCAA, some of the congressional leadership, and let, so they're informed to make the best decisions going forward. And I think we accomplished that up in DC. And again, I was, I, we as the Grove Collective, were honored to be the only uh, collective asked to speak on that panel. Now we represented some other really good collectives that were in the room, Tennessee, Clemson, Georgia, um, you know, we're all there as well but we were the only ones up there that got to speak, which was really great. But again, we were doing it on behalf of some of those other groups. And so again, to your original question about kind of being at the forefront, um, you know, little, little Ole Miss and the Grove Collective was right up there in the middle of the conversation, providing a lot of the feedback. And I was really, you know, really excited about that. And, and I think we were able to get some things, you know, moving in the right direction. All right. Now, as anybody that's done sales know, you can't get out of the room without a call to action. What are the Grove Collective goals for right now? Yeah, that's a great call. You know, look, I think um, we got to keep going. You know, we're, we're getting close to 5,000 members. 
uh, I need that to be 6,000. I'd love to have 6,000 members. And again, that could be people giving $20 a month, uh, $50 a month, whatever it may be, doing a one-time donation of $1,000. Really, the membership reoccurring revenue model is where we are going to give ourselves sustainability. If, if we can get over 50% of our fundraising goal delivered to us through that membership subscription model, that gives us reoccurring revenue, which then gives us the ability to sustain ourselves. And so really, you know, yes, the big donors, you know, the big major gifts help, and those are great, but those people are getting hit by everybody. So what I really want our people to do is if you have a friend, if you buy season tickets, if you come to a game, just go on the website, sign up, no amount is too small, but that gives us cash flow projections that I can then budget effectively to run our business the right way and support all our sports. You asked the question about, you know, dividing up your time. We're really busy right now. We've got a men's basketball staff who's brand new, who's literally rebuilding the roster. We've got a women's basketball head coach who's phenomenal and has had unbelievable success. And we want to help her get to the next level. We've got a baseball team that needs a little work and needs to retool and recalibrate. And they're working really hard to do that. Um, and then, you know, football is a big numbers game, high volume. And then you've got all the other sports as well in there. So, you know, dividing up our time to help, you know, those sports in there, wherever they are um, in their program uh, is really important. And so our fans, the call to action, Stephen, would be, look, go to the website, sign up. If you're a corporate, if you have a business, you can sign up as a corporate member. You can write that money off as advertising expense. Uh, you can use the athletes to publicize your brand. You can market to the Grove Collective members. Uh, we've got over 50 corporate sponsors right now, so we want to continue to push that. So, uh, again, I think that the, the the call to action is no gift is too small, and everybody matters. And we're a small but mighty fan base. It's an honor to represent them in this light. Um, and you know, congratulations to guys like yourself. I love I love what you're doing. I love your program. You hit all the big topics, um, and you help us get the word out. And so, look, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to come on and talk a little bit about some of the good work we're doing. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you, man. And um, stick around um, after the show's over. I do have a question for you as well. And I do want to say thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Give us a subscribe. We're growing like a weed, they would say. It's Ole Miss every day, and we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, thank you very much, Walker. And um, we will obviously try to get the word out, man. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks so much. Keep up the good work, Stephen. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy.